All right. Hey, what is this thing called? Weekend Classics. Christian Classics. Christian Classics with Mike and Nick. Welcome. All right. The Passion of Perpetua or Perpetua? <laughs> Perpetua. Perpetua. The passion of the holy martyrs, Perpetua and Felicitas. Perpetua and Felicitas. Wow. All right. Cool. Um, we're in the 200s now. That's cool. Yeah. Early 200s. Early 200s, like 203. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's crazy, crazy, crazy uh, bit of a... Um, an account though, isn't it? Wow, all this. I mean, I suppose uh, the martyrdom angle is always crazy, but it's full of that, like, woof, you know, it's full of visions and. Um, yeah, these weird little miracles. Weird little miracles. And you're like, wow. You know, you don't know what to make of it because a lot of it's like, it pulls at your heartstrings. You're like, dude, this is crazy. You know, this is a martyrdom. And yet, yep. the more, I don't know, sort of sound part of you that's of sound mind wants to go you know what this is manipulative you know in terms of uh you know what it's doing but um this is apparently one of the more classic sort of or uh the, the one that's uh lasted i suppose you could say um it's been yeah. described as one of the most beautiful pieces of ancient christian literature so for that reason it's certainly worth knowing about um yeah it's it's actually garnered a lot of interest in liberal circles because um, it's probably based on an autobiographical account written by Perpetua, who is a woman. Right. And so this would be a woman's writings in the very you know very early years of the church, which yeah. has carried on through. And then of course there's all sorts of reconstructionist theories that men later came and edited it and made it more masculine and you know defeminized it. Mm-hmm. But I mean that's all just liberal garbage. But, right, um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So, I mean, uh, this is part of uh, together with uh, the prison diaries, essentially, right, of the masses. Um, Basically, yeah. yeah. So, it would have had some final editing work by someone who witnessed the final death of the people involved, mm. but it's thought to be autobiographical. Yeah. Right. And there's some, some people say that editor was um, Tertullian, which is cool. Yep. So, that's one of the theories. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so and also just as we were saying, we were talking about I think Tertullian last week, but um, or the week before I can't remember now. But um, the the Montanism thing, and uh, you know, so that that makes sense if this was entrenched in Montanism at the time. That that accounts for a lot of the visions and apparently, I mean, these visions were obviously very very important to them. And and um, I just read a, a little thing talking about how it played such a massive sort of role in the morale of the martyrs, of the martyrs. I mean, they were. That, you know, to have a vision was important to them to sustain them in some way. I mean, you can't get away from that. They're all feeling that way. And uh, whether yeah. that's just because they were entrenched in kind of a, you know, almost like a charismatic vision thing, which it sounds very similar to at, at certain points, um, or if it's just part of the the intensity of the time. I mean, it's hard to say, but, um, you know, obviously play a considerable role in, um, in this whole process for them. Um, the other thing is, the way they uh, talk about martyrdom almost as a, a kind of second baptism. It's crazy, oh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So you're getting all of yeah. that stuff we've spoken about already come through loud and clear at this point. Uh, but there's no yep. there's no 
supplement for just uh, reading through it, right? So that's what we're going to do. We've got a little bit yeah. of a, 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 a sort of, uh, what do you call it? A uh, thin Preface. down. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You've got you've got basically, uh, you're using Shaft's version, right? I've found something on the internet from earlychristianwritings.com. That's okay. the version I'm using. All right. So if you are wanting to check this out, that's what Nick's using. I'm using uh, the, the same one we've been using the whole time, the Tony Lane edition, which apparently has messed around with the numbers quite a bit. And uh, we can't seem to figure out exactly why um, this this numbering is different from um, the, the usual numbering that you'll find online. But uh, we'll find our way, and uh, hopefully you can make some sense of this in hearing it. Uh, but otherwise, just yeah. have a listen, and um, and then you go and read it yourself in whatever um, numerology they, <laughs> or what do you call it, um, uh, uh, what do you call the numbering? Pagination. The Dewey yeah. Index System. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was around yet, uh, but yeah, the the the, uh, the the pagination you can figure that out for yourself. All right, cool, um, good. Yeah, Who's so let me kick it off. off. And yeah, I wanted to, to, I wanted to read something. It's not in Tony Lane, but it's in a little preface that's part of the document. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important because you know we we mentioned that it's a Montanist type of document, mm-hmm. and the Montanists believe in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> you know, constantly doing miracles all the time, and there's a, mm-hmm. there's a lot of that flavor in the preface, which is is worth noting. Mm-hmm. So he he uh, begins with a quote from Joel: <clears throat> "For in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and their sons and their daughters shall prophesy. And upon my servants and my handmaidens will I pour out my spirit. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And thus we, who both acknowledge and reverence." Even as we do the prophecies, modern visions as equally promised to us and consider the other powers of the Holy Spirit as an agency of the church for which also he was sent, administering all gifts in all, even as the Lord distributed to everyone as well, needfully collect them in writing. So what he's just basically saying there is we believe that uh, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still continuing in the church today. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, a, a, a blatant continuationist argument. Yes, totally. Cool. So let me let me start uh, because our numbering is different. I'll read the first two sections, and then you can take over from there. All right. Sounds good. Cool. So starting off, mine is uh, chapter one, paragraph one. The young catechumens Revocatus and his fellow servant Felicitus, Saturninus and Secundulus were apprehended. And among them also was Vivia Perpetua, respectably born, liberally educated, a married matron, having a father and mother and two brothers, one of whom, like herself, was a catechumen, and a son, an infant at the breast. She herself was about 22 years of age. From this point onward, she shall herself narrate the whole course of her martyrdom as she left it described by her own hand and with her own mind. So that's the introduction to the formal letter, just giving us the identity of the people involved. And I'll go straight on to the next part. Mm-hmm. Okay. While, says she, we were still with the persecutors, and my father, for the sake of his affection for me, was persisting in seeking to turn me away and to cast me down from the faith. Father, said I, do you see? Let us say this vessel lying here to be a little pitcher or something else. And he said, I see it to be so. And I replied to him, 
can it be called by any other name than what it is? And he said, no, neither can I call myself anything else than what I am, a Christian. Then my father, provoked at this saying, threw himself upon me as if he would tear my eyes out. But he only distressed me and went away overcome by the devil's arguments. Then in a few days after I had been without my father, I gave thanks to the Lord. And his absence became a source of consolation to me. In that same interval of a few days, we were baptized. And to me, the Spirit prescribed that in the water baptism, nothing else was to be sought for bodily endurance. After a few days, we are taken into the dungeon. And I was very much afraid because I'd never felt such darkness. Oh, terrible day. Oh, the fierce heat of the shock of the soldiery because of the crowds. I was very unusually distressed by my anxiety for my infant. There were present there Tertius and Pomponius, the blessed deacons who ministered to us and had arranged by means of a gratuity that we might be refreshed by being sent out for a few hours into a pleasanter part of the prison. Then going out of the dungeons, all attended to their own wants. I suckled my child, which was now enfeebled with hunger. In my anxiety for it, I addressed my mother and comforted my brother and commended to their care my son. I was languishing because I had seen them languishing on my account. Such solicitude I suffered for many days, and I obtained for my infant to remain in the dungeon with me. And forthwith I grew strong and was relieved from distress and anxiety about my infant. And the dungeon became to me, as it were, a palace, so that I preferred being there to being elsewhere. Hmm. That's, All right. that's, that's where he ends it there. Totally, yeah. Wow. Yeah, any comments on that? Just that it's intense, that's all. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know. And a lot of this, there's a kernel of truth in all of this. Oh, man, it? totally, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing for me. I'm just constantly wrestling to just not throw it, you know, I mean, obviously not throw it away, but just, uh, you know, just not let the, the embellishments, you know, um, kill the account, so to speak. Um, because, yeah, it's interesting that uh, as catechumens, because, yeah. I mean, you probably go through a year or two of instruction, but they decided to get baptized <clears throat> in prison before they died. Yeah. I thought that was quite interesting. Mm, totally. And then while she was getting baptized, the Spirit spoke to her. Right. <laughs> and there's a little, just a little charismatic yeah. hint coming through. Totally. Oh, man. But, you know, yeah. it's so always... I think the thing to emphasize, mm. yeah, is, is just how her, uh, her father, who is not a believer, mm. is just putting all this pressure upon her. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just the distress of a mother and her infant and, and yet she's embracing this moment of martyrdom. And that's that's what's really commended that's her to the church. Totally. And made sure. her so popular. Yeah. Just a profound, yeah. profound story of devotion at, the, at that level. Um, good. All right. <clears throat> well, let's carry on. So I'm jumping over in my... I mean, by the way, your um, your version was almost exactly the same as mine at every point there. So that's good. That means we're kind of using Great. the same thing. Uh, but somehow the, the numbers go uh, different from this point. And, and I've got 15 for what it's worth. Uh, but I'll just read on. <clears throat> so I'm going to pretty much read all before the way you, Before you yeah. read that, mm -hmm. yeah, before you read that, can I tell you what he's not including? What? So uh, there's Perpetua has a vision <clears throat> of her brother, mm -hmm. her brother who died without getting baptized. Okay. And so she has a dream of him trying to climb into this baptismal pool, but he can't get over. And so for days and days and days, while she's in, 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 in this dungeon, she prays for him. And then she dreams that he's baptized, right? Man, <laughs> After again. he's died, so now, there's just some, there's just some random and weird stuff in the original. Totally, oh for sure. 
Yeah, I suppose that's what he's trying to do too, just help us clean it up and not and not um, get too derailed by that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it, it does, uh, I don't know, it discredits the vision thing for me. That's what, at very minimum. Um, <laughs> but uh, also, I wonder if by baptized he means it, he didn't sort of confess Christ uh, or uh, if it was just strictly that he was a Christian and didn't get baptized. What do you think? Um, well, apparently he was young and he died of cancer. Okay. So, well, and, but yet he died unbaptized. So here's prayers for the dead. Here's right. a stronger view of baptism than we would be comfortable okay. with. Just yeah, all I'm creeping its way in through visions and prophecies. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah. Man, this is making a, a strong case for cessationism um, in my mind. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So here we go. Uh, Felicitas was eight months old with child, for she had been pregnant when she was apprehended. And as the day of their martyrdom drew near, she was in great grief, lest on account of her pregnancy, she should be delayed because pregnant women are not allowed to be publicly punished. And lest yes. she should shed her sacred and guiltless blood among some who had been wicked subsequently. Her fellow martyrs were also painfully saddened, lest they should <coughs> sorry, leave so excellent a friend and, as it were, a companion alone in the path of the same hope. Therefore they joined together in united prayer to the Lord three days before their martyrdom. Immediately after their prayer, her pains came upon her, and when, with the difficulty natural to an eight-month's delivery, in the labor of bringing forth she was sorrowing, one of the servants of the jailers said to her, You who are in such suffering now, what will you do when you are thrown to the beasts which you despise when you refuse to sacrifice? And she replied, Now it is that I suffer what I suffer, but then there will be another in me who will suffer for me, because I am also about to suffer for him. Thus she brought forth a little girl, which one of the sisters brought up as her own daughter. So that's mm. uh, that paragraph. Man. Yeah, so Felicitas was a slave. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, so she was also a Christian, yet a slave. And here, a pregnant woman was not allowed to be uh, uh, sentenced to death or executed. And, mm -hmm. and so they prayed, and a miraculous birth took place at eight months. And that, yeah, once again, there could be a real historical truth there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which is crazy. I mean, so you want to like, oh, man, that's just so intense. The whole thing's so intense. Um, all right, cool. Let's keep going. Uh, the day of their victory shone forth. And they proceeded, sorry, this is from the uh, chapter 18 for what it's worth for anyone trying to follow this. Yeah. Uh, the day of their victory shone forth and they proceeded from the prison into the amphitheater as if to an assembly, joyous and of brilliant countenances. If they shrank, it was with joy and not with fear. A perpetua followed with placid look and with step and gait as a spouse of Christ, beloved of God, casting down the luster of her eyes from the gaze of all. Felicitas was rejoicing that she had safely brought forth so that she might fight with the wild beasts, moving from the midwife to the gladiator to wash after childbirth with a second baptism. <laughs> so there we go. Perpetua sang Psalms, Revocatus, Saturninus, and Saturus uttered threats against the people who were gazing on their martyrdom. When they came within sight of Valerian the procurator, they said to him, You judge us, but God will judge you. At this the people were exasperated and demanded that they should be scourged, and they rejoiced that they should have incurred one of their Lord's passions. Whew, game on. All right. Yeah. I, you just kind of like... Pretty heavy. Can't help but think 
Like, what would I do if I was in that situation? And it just sometimes exposes um, the, you know, I mean, it does. I mean, I remember reading Fox's Book of the Martyrs and, you know, that sort of thing. And it exposed all sorts of weird things in me, you know, just at at, like I remember going through (laughs) a a situation where I was reading one of the stories, can't remember which one, but it was just terrible, you know. And I remember getting angry with God, you know, just thinking like these these people love you, you know, why aren't you just helping them out? It seems like everything's going from bad to worse. And then you sort of realize, well, they want the the suffering and you know that's how different you are from them and you know this is exposing a kind of uh, a, a different caliber of, of faith at, at every level and um and and you know and then you just realize well a lot of a lot of you know because we often comfort ourselves in thinking that uh you know in the moment we'll receive grace and and that's true but you know you realize that this is coming from a, a place of 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 spirituality that sometimes is just not present in, in, in the modern church or in, or in uh, us individually. And that, that is a cause for concern a little bit. And then that brings you to another thing where it often just does bring you to your knees thinking, Oh man, you know, um, uh, you know, maybe I just need to get more serious here. And then the other thing <laughs> is that you end up uh, freaking out because, you know, it, it leads to assurance issues. So you got to get back to the gospel, right? Uh, which is crazy. Yep, so that's amen. the roller coaster. It hap- happens to me every time, uh, you know, <laughs> but um, that, that's why it's valuable, yeah. I suppose. So, you know, I mean, these guys that's testified good. with their lives. Crazy. Um, but it really brings you into the, the situation, though, doesn't it? I mean, they've got you right there. Um, and you can see why it's a, a treasured totally. piece of writing. I mean, it's it's descriptive and all of that. Anyway, all right. Now, there's a big section they left out. It's mm-hmm. very interesting. So Perpetua has a dream mm-hmm. that she meets a, an Egyptian whose head is taller than the amphitheater, and that happens to be the devil. Wow. And they have a wrestle, and she beats him. Huh. And uh, so, <laughs> this is all other parts of the, the book. Right. Totally. Yeah, it's um, pretty crazy. Um, anyway, so yeah. with that in mind, let, let's uh, press on here. we got like two, two, chapter, two little paragraphs left. Um, cool. Right. Go for it. Moreover, for the young woman, the devil prepared a very fierce cow provided especially for that purpose contrary to custom, uh, rivaling their sex also in that of the beasts. So they, they got a female cow for a woman instead uh, of a bull for a man. Got it. All right. And so stripped and clothed with nets, they were led forth. The populace shuddered as they saw one, one young woman of delicate frame and another with breasts still drooping from her recent trial, childbirth. So being recalled, they were unbound. Perpetua was first led into the cow. She was tossed and fell on her loins. When she saw her tunic torn from her side, she drew it over her as a veil for her middle, more mindful of her modesty than her suffering. Then she was called for again and bound up her disheveled hair, for it was not becoming for a martyr to suffer with disheveled hair, lest she should appear to be in mourning in her glory. So she rose up, and when she saw Philistus crushed, she approached and gave her her hand and lifted her up, and both of them stood together. When the brutality of the populace was appeased, they were recalled to the Sanaviran gate when Perpetua was received by one Rusticus, who was still a catechumen, catechumen uh, who kept close to her. So deeply had she been in the spirit and in an ecstasy that she began to look round her as if roused from sleep and to say to the amazement of all, I cannot tell when we are to be led out to that cow. And when she heard 
what had already happened, she did not believe it until she noticed the signs of mauling on her body and on her dress and recognized the catechumen. Afterwards, she asked the catechumen and the brother to approach and address them, saying, Stand fast in the faith and love one another, all of you, and do not be offended at my sufferings. All right. Now, this yeah. cow thing. I think what happens is they put them in the, they put them in a, they put them in the bull ring, basically, and then incited the cow to charge her, and, and the cow ran over both Felicitas and Perpetua. Oh, okay. Or got the it. Perpetua was thrown up into the air and landed on her loins. Basically, she landed on her oh, butt. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, her clothing was ripped, so she covered herself in her modesty. Yes. Okay. And right, then at the sense. end of all of that, yeah. So then she was. She picked. She saw her friend lying on the ground. Help her. Helped her up to her feet after she'd been trampled. Hmm. And then they went back to the gate. Right. And when they got to the gate, she came to her senses and said, "Oh dear, when are they going to lead us to that cow?" Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then good. the guy at the gate said, "You've already been led to the cow." And she looked down at her body and said, "Yeah, it looks like it." So, is that a miracle or is that concussion? That's, <laughs> well, that's dude, what I'm thinking. It's a mercy. You know, did she did she have a memory lapse because she she took a hard hit on the head? Yeah. Well, amen. You know, either way, we're like very very thankful for <laughs> either that. Either way, I mean, it's it's just amazing that you know, she, she she's standing strong and she's yeah. still uh, remaining faithful to the Lord, and her unplanned responses are still very Christian. Yeah. Totally. But I suspect that not having a a proper understanding of the way the brain works when you get hot, hit hard on the head. Yeah. They may have credited as miraculous instead of natural. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, thankful for the mercy there either way. All right. Cool. Uh, last, last little <laughs> chapter here. Uh, the populace called for them into the midst so that they may, they might uh, make their eyes partners in the murder as the sword penetrated into the martyrs' bodies. They rose up of their own accord and moved themselves to where the people wished having first kissed one another so that they might consummate their martyrdom with the kiss of peace. The others received the sword thrust motionless and in silence. But uh, Perpetua, that she might taste some pain, cried out loudly when she was pierced between the ribs and herself, placed the wavering right hand of the youthful gladiator to her throat. Possibly such a woman could not have been slain unless she herself had willed it, because she was feared by the impure spirit. O most brave and blessed martyrs, O truly called and chosen unto the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, whoever magnifies, honors, and adores him, assuredly ought to read these examples for the edification of the church, not less than the ancient ones, so that the new virtues also may testify that one and the same Holy Spirit is always operating even until now, as is God the Father Almighty, and his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, whose is the glory and infinite power forever and ever. Amen. So there mm. we go. All right. There you go. So Yeah, so they were all put to death by the sword, but she, uh, she was stabbed and didn't die and then took the young man's hand who was killing her and put it to her throat. Yeah. So that he might cut her throat as well. Because he was freaking out. Um because <laughs> uh, it's, it's like uh, that was actually the first time I, I hadn't had a chance to read it before this but um, it's crazy I kind of had a, a different account I'm wondering what I have in mind uh, there were a few extra little pieces I'm wondering if I originally read the um, the the longer was much left out there um, in terms of other things they went uh, yeah through? there was a paragraph before that which um, there's the biting of the leopard and a few other things yes okay right that's what I'm thinking about um yeah, so I mean, brutal. By the time you get to that sword part, you're just like, dude, end it, you know. 
Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, and they, at the end, you see the kind of, um, you know, that call for reading these things to the church. And you can see how very quickly that, that would become, <clears throat> you know, mythical and embellished and revered and you know you wouldn't want to question i mean you wouldn't want to make a concussion comment you know in uh, after the reading <laughs> of that um but but i suppose that 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 was both uh, yeah. the glory and the danger of these accounts yeah and um, i don't i don't doubt that there would have been some genuine christians you know who submitted to martyrdom in true faith and and in such a wonderful way that would have caused such a, a myth to arise around their deaths Yes, exactly. They probably I mean, were outstanding that caused, you know, these sort of rumors to fly around and right. to be embellished to this point. I think that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, that that, that has to have been the case to some degree. Uh, can you imagine being there and just seeing that sort of thing? I mean, it almost seems just unbelievable, right? Yeah. You know, in a, oh, in it a just, just in a gives credence to the point, you know, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Yeah, true that. So there we go. Yeah, yeah. Passion of Perpetua. Yeah, there we go. What's next? We got Cyprian, letter to Donatus. Oh, Cyprian. Cyprian. Isn't he the guy that said no salvation outside the church? Yep, yep. Pretty sure that was him. Yep. Yeah. Cool. There certainly can be no strengthening or blessing or receiving of the means of grace unless you go to church. So do it. Go to church. Go to church. Go to church. 